Yeah, bro, that's pretty damn cool. Sorry, I'm gonna put you on uh, Gangs of New York. Austin, you motherfucker! You said you don't like mafia movies. What's the matter with you? What? Gangs of New York. Does that count as a mafia movie? I have no idea. I never watched it. Oh, <laughs> like uh, not the kind of, not the kind of mafia movie you can forget about. Oh, that's 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 racist. You're telling me something's racist. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well. Hmm. Well, are you guys ready to start? I guess Austin's looking at books. I think I finally found the from the horse's mouth whether we need a fishing license or not. Oh, and what what is that? Do we need a fishing license? Well, I was about to read it, and then you said, <laughs> chip, chop, chip. So here I am. So we still don't know. We've been trying to figure this out for a day now. Well, okay. Skrakaka! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Taboo Podcast, where we talk about things that aren't supposed to be talked about. You thought we were dead. You thought that we stopped making episodes. You thought we were done, huh? No, we're back. We're stronger. The devil was given a Cosby pill and buried at sea. You know what I'm saying? We're here now. You can't keep us down. You can't keep us down. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? You got Dr. Ian and the Jew and our favorite, Austin. Austin. We got Austin back on the podcast, y'all. Prove it. <laughs> so, to give you guys, I guess, Hiram, we should probably give him an update on what happened for the past month and a half. Oh, so you didn't die. Right, right. Well, shit went down last two weeks. Um, I was graduating and Hiram had finals, so we got very busy and we just weren't able to do the podcast. And then um, Hiram moved to a different moved to a different state temporarily and um i'm currently out of state as well so um finally we have some time to do a podcast and i'm visiting austin and becca and i'm in a state of excited trepidation yes yes because this topic go ahead <laughs> that's why we have that's why you're on here by the way oh just because wow. you're descriptive words well thank you yeah thank you for assigning my purpose <laughs> you're welcome that is your purpose i've been waiting all this time thank you i'll just be going throughout the podcast i'll be like um austin can you describe this thing and, and you can do it <laughs> done this will be a veritable theater of the mind right Um, and by the way, if you guys say, damn, why does Hiram sound so weird? Well, that's because he's on the phone, on speakerphone, actually. And I have yeah. my phone speaker facing my microphone. So we're Stacked on, some, on top of something. On, stacked on top of DVDs. And, yeah, on top of Gangs of New York. I can't believe you're covering Leo's face. Oh, I'm sorry. I won't cover Leo's face. Yeah. Wait, where are you? Oh, there he is. Cameron Diaz. You really haven't seen this movie. Daniel Day Lewis. Damn. All right. I know what I'm doing later. <laughs> it's a three hour movie, so buckle in. Yeah. 
Well, it's nothing compared to what we've been watching. Right. We've been binging mafia movies, uh, Casino, Goodfellas. We're gonna, I'm going to get Austin to watch the Godfather series because he hasn't fucking watched I've them. seen the first one. The first one. First one out of three. Yeah. <laughs> Sir. I'm only half a center or a third. Yeah. <laughs> Repeating, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> today's topic is religion. Now, all three of us have dived oh, into religion. Yeah. Oh, did you forget we were talking about this? You were kind of no. I just I just realized. Oh wow! All three of us have gone through very yes. similar journeys. That's, yes. Oh, it makes sense that the three of us are talking about this. Yes. Now yeah. I know my real purpose. Right. <laughs> I was really hoping Hiram be able to take the call because I was like, he's got some good shit to say about mm-hmm. religion too. So. Oh, this is gonna be yeah. juicy. We got, we got some good perspectives, and then I come from a, a different religion, LDS, Mormon. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's a little bit different perspective than than what you and Austin had. Right, right. Still, still Christian, but just different beliefs and whatnot. Right, and of course you're experimenting with Judaism as well. So ah, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> just a little bit, just a smidge. Yeah, I mean you got the looks, you got the yarmulke. But anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ian, Ian did have me out. He did buy me a yarmulke. <laughs> I did buy him a yarmulke for Christmas. <laughs> you have to start somewhere, you know. It's called modeling. You gotta look the part. So we got that part down. Now you just gotta start practicing. But you haven't been reading the Bible, the Quran, or whatever the fuck. Wow. I don't even know. The Tanakh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not Jewish. Okay. <laughs> it, the you listeners can't see this, but I am doing a collar tug right now. Yeah, Austin's <laughs> cringing and squirming over here. Yeah, I am red with embarrassment. Uh, but fuck it, this is the, the taboo podcast on a on a Tuesday evening, so don't worry about nothing. <laughs> oh right, I should have I should have expected this. Yes, nothing is taboo. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're going up on a Tuesday. I'm sorry for the religious insensitivity that I've been displaying. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your apology. Well, so I was thinking, what if we just talked about our, our religious backgrounds first, just so that we give it uh, our story some context? So, yeah. do anybody want to go first, or I can go first? I don't. I don't care. I don't want to go first. Okay. Yeah, Ian. Why don't you go first? And then Fuck. <laughs> hey, this was your idea. Yeah. I'm a little nervous to be honest. Just <laughs> just because it's been a while since we've done a podcast episode, I'm like, "Oh, jeez, Rick." I'm so nervous, Rick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just shut the fuck up, Morty. You need to fucking man up, Morty. Do this fucking podcast, Morty. The viewers depend on you. All right. (laughs) So, damn. Uh, Okay, so my religious background. It began when 
I mean, my parents have always been religious. I grew up in that environment, but it wasn't until, and this is something I can't explain. It's actually kind of creepy and cool at the same time. When I was seven years old, I was sleeping in my bedroom upstairs. We lived in a two-story house and I ran downstairs. I don't remember any of this, by the way. This is what my mom told me. I ran downstairs and I went to my mom and I'm like, hey mom, did you call me? I heard you call my name. She was like, no, no, mijo, just go to sleep. You know, you're, you're good. Mijo, sorry, she calls me mijo because uh, it, it's Spanish for my son. And, and, and I'm half Mexican as we've established that. Anyway, so I went back up and um, tried to go to sleep. And then I heard my voice, heard my name called again. So I went back downstairs and said, Mom, did you call me? And she said, no. And I went back upstairs again. And a third time, I heard my name called. And I went back downstairs, and my mom felt like she thought because of the religious belief that Jesus was calling me through the voice of my mom. And so she told me, when you go back upstairs, just say, Jesus, is this you? And see what he says. So that's exactly what I did. I went back upstairs. I heard my name called again. And I said, Jesus, is, it, is this you? And he said, and, and sorry. And then I went back downstairs and I was bawling and I was crying and crying. My mom's like, what happened? And, and I said, I heard Jesus ask me if he could be in my heart. And I said, yes. Hmm. And I was about seven years old. Again, I have no memory of this. I have no memory of this at all. And of course, I don't think my mom would lie. <laughs> yeah. But I remember since since then, I started having this craving for Jesus, where I started to want to read the Bible. At seven years old, I wanted to hear more about Bible stories and everything. And from then, um, we, we started going to a church. I don't know if my parents are trying to... My parents never really went to church, even to this day. They're just not that... They're just not churchgoers, but they still believe in Christianity. And But we started going to this one church. Um, I don't know if it was for me, because I was starting to have this hunger, or if it was just just so happened we were going to a church. I have no idea. And from there, you know, I also had some experiences with like, like when worship music was being played, I would, I would cry. I would, I would feel moved by it at seven years old. And then we moved down to Texas actually. And I've also had a few other religious experiences there, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into them. And then I kind of had a period where I wasn't very religious at all. Um, I, I still believed in Christianity, and I was about 12, 13, but I just didn't really read the Bible very much. I just wasn't very serious about it, you know. And then when I turned 13, I remember just one day wanting to commit to God, hmm. wanting to commit to Jesus. And I remember I made a prayer like, God, I want to commit to you more. You know, I'm sorry that I haven't been praying or reading the Bible as much as I, quote, should. And so then I got super religious, where I read the Bible for three hours every night. 
I would pray for one hour. Um, sorry, I would read the Bible for two hours and pray for one hour, so three hours total. And I did that like for several nights. This is when you were 13, and you were, you were homeschooled, right? So I guess you right. had a lot of time. Right. Well, at the time, too, I was helping my dad like paint houses and... Um, not a mafia term. He wasn't an assassin or anything. <laughs> I, that was the first thing I thought since that's what we've been watching. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't a mafia hitman, right? That that came later. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> killing people for Jesus. It's been done before. Oh shit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so I kind of committed more to God <clears throat> and then we moved again to Farmington, New Mexico. And I joined this interesting church um that had a very different perspective on God than I've never experienced before. And that's when I met Austin because Austin, yeah, because Austin was, uh, he wasn't the youth pastor, but he was more of like a youth leader that would preach uh, on different on different Wednesdays, wasn't it? It was at least once a month. I think at Mm -hmm. one point it became like every other Wednesday, but it was quite often. Mm -hmm. But no, I wasn't the main leader. I was more like assistant leader kind of thing. Assistant to the regional manager. (laughs) And I remember Austin, I mean, we had a youth pastor, but her preaching never really touched me. But I remember Austin, the way he used to preach, and he always often preached, and I'm sure he's going to mention it, about the love of Jesus and the mercy of God. And and he's actually a loving, merciful God that people don't really realize that. They focus on more the serious side. And he, he would preach from Song of Solomon and, and Psalms and just talking about the relationship Solomon had to Jesus, to God. And, and it, was a, it was a love story. It's, it's, it's a loving relationship. It's a romantic relationship where you'd fall in love with Jesus. And that really intrigued me. And that's something I wanted more of. And that's when my passion for God kind of just ignited and... and the whole religiousness that I experienced when I turned 13 went away and I learned a more liberal view on Jesus. But you still were like sincere when you say the religious went away, you don't mean you didn't care anymore. You're just saying you expressed it differently. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was always sincere. I can say that very confidently. I was very sincere about this. I was never, I never treated church as a social outing. I really believed that I had, a relationship with Jesus and I was accountable to him and that he loved me and I loved him. That's how I really saw it. And so a few years went by where I practiced this type of Christianity and I enjoyed it a lot, but I noticed my life was just not going how I wanted it to be. Uh, I've mentioned in the past my loneliness that I've experienced for so many years and I felt like God had promised me that he would take care of that, that that would not be a problem in my life. And I never saw that promise come through. And that really broke my heart because I felt like 
everything that I've done for Jesus, and he made this promise and he hasn't kept it. And that he's expecting me to keep going and keep going and keep going, but I just felt so broken. I felt, I told in my last prayer that Jesus, you've, were too rough with me. That was one of the last prayers I've, I prayed, and that was in 2018. And, and by this time, I had joined the youth leadership team for this church, and so I would help out with setting up youth events, and I even preached one night in the main church, and I preached one night in the youth hall, sorry, the youth, youth service, youth ch- we called it the youth hall, that, that was like the place where we hang out all the time. And... I stepped down from it after a year because I just felt like I wasn't learning anything. It was not my passion at all. I had lost all passion for it. So I stepped down from that. So I was no longer really attending church. I was part of this prophecy team um, that would pray over people on Sundays. And that's all that I was doing. And then eventually I quit that. And then I remember I went through a very depressed state. It was wintertime 2018. And... I remember I was just so depressed, so fucking depressed, and and my relationship with God was just not really working out. Um, And I think the last straw was logical reasoning. (laughs) Mm. That's what ultimately caused me to leave Christianity. And that was, how do you know that everything you believe about Jesus is true and real? Mm. Because it seems like faith is not a reliable route to the truth. If I have faith that white people are better than black people, does it make it true? No. So that does that mean that faith is a reliable route to the truth? And that really fucked with me. By the way, Matt Dillahunty, he's a host of the Atheist Experience podcast. He's the one that was saying these words, and I was like, holy shit, I can't so answer these. So how were you exposed to this? Were you, like, looking for it, or it just you happened upon it? I saw on... I wasn't actively looking for it. It was just, like, YouTube recommendations. So you can say the devil threw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> the be- devil made you do it? The devil made me do it. It was just, like, this, the video title was, like, Crazy Christian um, Won't Shut Up or something like that. It was, like, a, you know, a clickbait title. I'm like, ooh, what is this? And... Matt Dillahunty was talking to this lady and just saying, asking these questions. How do you know this is true? And why would you want to base your life on this? Hmm. Or in fact, that was a question I'd asked myself was, if this is not true, if this is not real, if there's a slight possibility or maybe a big possibility, this is all untrue. Why am I basing every decision of my life on this faith? And that's when I really just stepped away from Christianity. And... Go for it. Circle back to it whenever. I was just wondering how much uh, college have you had you done up to this point? How much time have you spent in school? Let's see. This would have been 2018, so I would have been my third semester in college, I think. Okay. Yeah, that would have been my third one. Okay. And the reason that I asked that is I had like an experience where. One of my religious leaders, when I was questioning, because I was like, how do I know if this is if this is true? They asked me if I was going to school, and, and I was looking for serious help like my religious leader, and then they were kind of, they came, they came off as like maybe, maybe 
college and higher education might not be a great thing because it's leading me to question more about religion. And that's kind of an experience I had. So that's why I was wondering if, if you felt maybe pursuing higher education in a setting where you are looking for concrete truths, you are looking for evidence and things need to have a foundation to be based off of maybe um, change your view, you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, I need more concrete proof. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I would say it reinforced my new belief. Education reinforced the reasons why I don't really believe in Christianity anymore, especially coming from like psychology where we're talking about emotion and things that you can't see. Mm. Kind of like religion. You can't see God. You can't see Jesus. I mean, the people do claim that you can or have or you can hear him, but if you go outside, you don't see Jesus. You know, if you ask Jesus right now, reveal yourself. He's not going to. And so with like, for example, psychology, you just can't say shit. You can't just say, oh, this is true. This is real. We actually have measures. We can measure emotion, you know, but with Christianity, you can't really. Or people haven't really attempted it. And so, just ha- coming from that scientific background, you know, it's I need concrete evidence. I need something. And all of, it, all of my experience was just faith. Yeah. So, and it just personally just wasn't good for me. It's just, uh, that wasn't enough for me. I'm sorry, I have this life and, and, and I can't, I can't live it on faith. It's not enough truth for me. Hmm. It's not enough certainty. So, that's m- a follow-up question. Were you happy with religion? Because you said you went through a time where you were kind of depressed before you started to question all this. So, do you feel like you were happy with religion? Do you feel like it was maybe bringing you down or, or holding you back? I missed out on a lot of experiences um, as a teenager, you know. Um, I can relate to that. (laughs) I was a good kid. Yeah. I was one of the good, good kids. Oh, me too. I was a goody two-shoes, man. I I didn't fuck around, yo. So I guess one thing we maybe you guys can mention for, like, people that aren't religious or maybe don't know, like, what were some of the rules that you had to follow? What made you a goody two-shoes that followed those rules? That's such a good question. Some people don't have that religious perspective, you know? That's, that's true, yeah. So, at least the Christianity I grew up on, um, no drunkenness. The Apostle Paul says that in the Bible. Um, of course, drugs are off the table as well. Sex before marriage is off the table. Um having i think extreme emotions is also off the table to a certain degree like extreme anger mm. um, okay yeah honoring your father and mother that's why i was a goody two-shoes because i never felt accountable to my parents i felt accountable to god right so that means i got to obey god and <laughs> that means i obey my parents with everything they ever say um so things like that i would say so i missed out on, on sex as a teenager and, and drugs and alcohol which i think that's a good thing for Possibly all of it, you know, because yeah. you don't make good decisions as a teenager. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you can, you can, and a lot of these things can be lead to 
messing up your life pretty quick. Right. Or changing the course of your life pretty quick with drugs, alcohol, sex, especially as a teenager. But a lot of people learn some valuable lessons from that. Right. As well, you can learn a lot more about yourself if you're free to get to experiment and try things. Absolutely. And I think part of it is just my personality, too, because nowadays I feel free to do whatever I want, you know, within boundaries, within limits, within logic. But I don't like alcohol. Drugs, I'm not really interested in trying. I mean, I've had weed before. I like weed. But, you know, I don't want to try amphetamines, for example. Mm -hmm. I just I know from my education and also uh, personal experience with other people, it's just dangerous. And so I would say my religious background did help me. It did help me in some way, but also uh, I think part of it is just my personality. But, but to answer your question, um, I was happy in, in religion, but I feel like I didn't see the whole picture, too. You know, when you don't have sex, when you don't have drugs or alcohol, you don't have these fun opportunities how what would you know to compare it with but i I would say that i i did enjoy you know falling in love with jesus i mean i did enjoy all of those things but i don't want to go back to it (laughs) or do i that's an excellent question we can dive into later because that's something austin and i have talked about in our own private conversations but yeah Still not sure I know the answer to that either. Yeah, that one's a hard one. What about you, Hiram? What's your story? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> With uh, the religion. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry, I think it cut out for a little second. But what was, you, what was your question? Oh, I said... So what is your story? Like, what's your background in religion? In religion? Um, so kind of like Ian, also a little bit different. Um, I grew up in, in the LDS faith. Um, my parents were LDS when they had us. So as a church, it's just did. Um it was so weird when you religion because all you know doesn't seem odd you know like if you family tradition and then you grew so oh, it's like cutting out you're you're hey Hiram you're cutting out a little bit okay. uh, can you hear me now yes not sure what's going on but like with those saying growing up in religion is kind of weird because you never really see the other side of things, right? Mm, yep, exactly. You just grew up with it where you're like, this is normal. And like, I was using an example, maybe you have a family tradition of something with your life and you're like, oh, this is normal. Maybe mm. everyone does this. And then you start to experience other things and see other people's traditions and you're like, wow not many people actually do this no one Mm -hmm. thinks the same way 
And so that's a weird perspective with growing up in religion and not like finding it for yourself is you just already have these beliefs that have been taught to you and you don't really you don't really question it when you're a kid or most kids don't question it pretty heavily. They're just like, this is how it is. So you're saying your religious experience was very like insular, like you didn't have any outside influence coming in. Yeah, it wasn't really outside influence. It was just how I was raised. It's like that's what you did, and that's what was taught to me. Hmm. And then, like, were you happy with the faith? Like, as a child, as a teenager, like growing up, like, did were you at conflict with it, or were you on board? So as a kid, I mean, there was times where I just, you didn't want to go to church. Mm. Church took a long time, you know, as a kid. You're just like, I just don't want to go. I'd rather play, do, play video games, you know. But that's just pretty normal. And I think I did enjoy church at some times. And I would say it wasn't too, too heavy. It was just like, okay, I like this. I can follow this. I agree. And then as I became a teenager, there were times, there was a good couple of years where I was like, I don't want to go to church, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this, I don't want to follow the rules of, of no drinking, no drugs, no sex before marriage, kind of those same things that you guys yeah. had. And then also with, with the Mormon religion, there was like no pornography, no masturbation, and uh, a few other things that are just for uh, no coffee, and so there's some pretty strict things there. And as a teenager, I was like, you know what? I some of these things I want to do. I want to try these things. Right. And so I didn't really want to go to church because I wanted to experience these things. I want. I want to have to follow follow those rules. So I stopped going to church. And my parents, which was pretty cool, you know, they wanted me to go. They were they were telling me when we had arguments where they wanted me to go to church and I didn't want to but I still live under their roof. But they did give me some freedom to not go to church. Oh, okay. They had that that choice which was which was great on their part. Wow. And then uh, a while went on, a couple of years where I didn't go to church. Wait, when did you when did you stop going to church? What age? Uh, let's see, probably I don't know, maybe Fifteen. Okay. Fifteen, sixteen. So. So then, like a couple years, years after that. Yeah. So maybe like two years or like year and a half. I didn't go to church. I was wasn't very religious. Wasn't praying or anything. And I had uh, an interesting experience. And I think Ian and I have talked about this before. But um, a mission is a pretty big thing in the. LDS religion or mm-hmm. Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints serving a two year mission is pretty. It's it's pretty common, and sometimes it's expected of the of the young men when they turn eighteen to go for two years. Um, but if you don't go, it's not the worst thing in the world. But with culture in some areas, you know, you can be looked down upon if you didn't go or if you went out and you came home early because sometimes you weren't following all the rules I wonder what mm. what rule he broke and so there can be a culture like that and I had a few friends when I was like 17, 18 and that's 
18 is a time you can go out on a mission. But a few friends that were getting ready to go, and they were examples to me. I was hanging out with them. Some of the missionaries that served in the area that I lived in, they were pretty cool. Became friends with them, so I had that influence on my mm. life. And a few friends preparing to go serve for two years. And I still wasn't really active in the church, but I had these friends that were influences that were active. And then I had an experience where I was just super angry one night. I had this uh, girlfriend that I found out had cheated on me, and I was just so mad. It was not a good feeling. I was just like, I don't want her to ever be happy again. Mm. Man, something here is not right. This is not normal. I I shouldn't feel this way. And that's how I felt. So I decided I I should pray. It had been a couple years since I prayed. And I was like... So I prayed and was asking for something, I don't know, just to maybe not feel this way. And I got a really strong feeling that I was like, I should... I should go on a mission, I should get ready and, and serve a two-year mission. Hmm. So, so right there, I just kind of did a 180 and started going to church, participating, and it was because that was, it felt like my duty, because when I had that experience, it felt really strong, and I was like, this is what I should do. Right. I didn't really okay. question it, I just knew what I needed to do, so I started work to get that done, so I did... Um, after I graduated high school, I think it was it was January that following that following year, I I went on a mission and served for two years in, in Southern California. And on the mission, you're just you you get an hour or two hours each day set aside to to read scriptures and to prepare lessons for the people that you're teaching and you're just in it you know you're living every rule wow and you're following it pretty strict for two years and you have a lot of outside influences kind of go away because you're not allowed to watch tv or or listen to music or read like fictional books you have to stick to church approved media wow for for two years every day yeah two years every day you're just using it and and it had its ups and downs it taught me a lot Mm -hmm. I was able to learn a lot of practical skills like budgeting and stuff like that but I also learned a lot about religion had some spiritual experiences and towards the end of my mission I had an experience that made me question like how how we receive revelation because I felt like felt like God told me one one thing I was had this pretty serious question and I felt like I got an answer that was yes and so I was like okay and then later on down the road like towards the end of my mission found out that it was actually a no and I was like oh man so then what did I feel because I felt Hmm. super good and I was like it was a yes God told me yes and I was like what the heck so it started to make me question a lot of things because I was like, if God is everything, well, he could have just told me no, but why would it be yes? And then I asked mm. my religious leaders and they had some explanations, but nothing really ever satisfied my my thinking. Nothing was ever like, okay, mm. that makes a lot of sense. Or, or Because as far as you could sense. tell, that was you were really hearing from God. Like you knew you heard God. Yeah. yeah. 
super spiritual. It felt very pure and, and it was like, okay. And like you said, as far as I could tell, that was revelation from God. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then it turned out to not be true. And I was like, well, then what, what was the point of that? And how do, was it just me making up this, this amazing feeling? Was it just something that I wanted? And so I made myself feel that way? And I questioned a lot, and then I came home from my mission, because this was toward the end of my mission. The last couple of months, I started to have these questions and these thoughts. I was like, what the heck? So I came home and was talking, started school, um, and was talking to a religious leader for, for some help, because I was like, I don't know how we receive revelation, because I thought I did, and then I had this experience where I was like, yes and no. Well, how do I know? Hmm. And he he wasn't the most helpful because he was just pressuring me to be like, well, what do you believe? And that's kind of why I'm here because I don't know how to tell what I believe because my question is based on how I receive answers to prayers. And if I'm just making it up, then maybe everything I believe is something I wanted to believe and not actually from God. Right. He just kept pressuring me. It's like, well, what do you believe? What do you believe? And I don't know. And this was the, the religious leader that I was telling earlier when I was asking you know, about the whole school thing. So I was in college, and it was psychology, so it was a lot more critical thinking and needing kind of hard proof for things. And I was enjoying it a lot, and it made me question a lot of things about the world around me, not just religion, but everything. And he was one that was kind of like, well, maybe this higher education it's not exactly how we told it but it made me feel like he was kind of discouraging me from continuing higher education because it was making me doubt religion Mm -hmm. because I mean if you're faithful to God now then the rest of your life eternity will be good for you so you know so I was like that was that was another thing that kind of turned me off it was just I got told maybe uh, it felt like higher education wasn't a good thing that's how it felt came off and I was like that's not true Hmm. Uh, learning is good learning is good and so I just kind of I had these things I didn't know how to deal with them no one could give me a satisfying answer and I was just kind of like I don't know what to do so I kept going to church and I was I was married at this time, and my wife and I, we kept going, and there was a time where she was a little bit more involved in religion than I was, and so she was kind of helping me pull through, and then there was a time where, in our marriage, it kind of flip-flopped, so she was kind of doubting, and I was a little bit more like, well, we just, more more faithful, and then towards the end of, towards the end of my marriage, we were both not super religious, we were just kind of like, maybe we don't want to go to church, and so we stopped going to church and not doing things and another thing that really helped I guess made me step away was you know I wasn't following all the rules I was struggling with some of the commandments and, and it was it was hard because I just felt like like I felt like a piece of crap yep. I couldn't do everything right and I I think I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I also think that I have high expectations for myself, and the LDS faith has pretty high expectations for its members and like rules to follow and, and commandments. 
they expect a lot out of you and even like service to other people in the ward they expect a lot so I just I felt like you know it's when you're trying to hold too many things in your arms and you're and you keep adding stuff and you put one thing in and another one falls out so you go to pick that one up you put it in and something else falls yep. out I, I couldn't keep up I wasn't enough I was never enough and then whenever I'd mess up or break the command or whatever I just felt awful I hated myself Yeah. I felt like I was the worst thing ever and I was like this sucks and it got to a point where I was like I'm tired of feeling like this I don't want to feel this bad all the time Hmm. So I would just kind of stop caring. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do and kind of forget about religion because right now religion makes me feel awful. I, I hate myself. I don't feel like I'm good enough. Hmm. I feel I feel worse. It's like I didn't really feel that great most of the time. I felt bad most of the time. And uh, as I stepped away. Started, slowly started not going to church and not praying and reading my scriptures and just focusing on me and how I felt and, and what I wanted. You know, a lot of things happened where I did get divorced and I changed my whole career plan, my plan of action for what I was going to do with my life. A lot of that changed. So much changed. And it sucked. But I started to feel better. I felt a little relief when I kind of stopped going to church and stopped caring about the church's standards and just focused on what I wanted to do. Mm. I felt relief. And then when I changed career paths, you know, and focused on what I wanted to do rather than what was a good idea, I felt better. And I mean, getting a divorce, I wasn't super happy there, and so I was focusing on more on, on what I wanted and not what was, good, what was a good idea or what the church wanted. Because religion had a, had a pretty big part in me getting married. And so stepping away and focusing on what I wanted, it was hard, but I feel a lot better on this end than I, than I did when I was active going to church and trying to be the best member I could. It just, it just felt bad. So you mentioned you couldn't keep up with the church's standards. Um did you believe that was also God's standards at the time? For you to be a perfection, per, to be perfect? That's a good question. And I don't think I really believed that was, that was God's standards. Because in the church, they talk a lot. And the religious leaders, and those, they talk about, oh, we don't have to be perfect in, life, in this life, but we have to try. But then, you know, at the same time, they just, they still expect a lot. And so it's kind of taught that you don't have to be perfect, but. But you have to be perfect. That's not, that's, yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> it's expectation. Kinda, not to be perfect, but you, you should, you should definitely try hard. And maybe you need to do better. And it's like, oh, mm. I feel like crap. So I don't know if I can do better. And how do Latter-day Saints view God's f- What's their perspective on God's forgiveness? Okay. Um, so, I guess, first of all, this is kind of going back to uh, missionary mode, some of the lessons that we're taught, but we do believe that God is our loving Heavenly Father. And so our view on, on God is just a very 
loving, forgiving kind of father-son or father-child relationship, just uh, helping you learn and grow. And, uh, and so God is, is very forgiving, and, you know, as long as, as you repent your, repent your sins, you know, Jesus Christ suffered on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could repent. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not perfect, but we do have the freedom to to repent and, and try better. So, so there's a lot of forgiveness and, and love there. Okay, okay. But I guess I wasn't really feeling that. It was taught, but I just, I just didn't feel it. And I don't know if that was coming from the whole church or just how I felt. Probably yeah. coming from from part of me inside where I didn't feel like I was enough. Mm-hmm. And part of what I was experiencing in the church. And so, yeah. Any other questions? Do you I, think I did a pretty good... You, you had used the the example of like at one time it was just too much because it was like you were holding too much and if you something fell once you went to pick it up something else would fall how do you like in relation to that um image that you gave us like how is that now like how do you feel in those regards do you feel like you're still juggle, juggling a lot of things at once okay so i don't feel that feeling anymore Mm. Now that doesn't mean I'm not doing as much because I'm still doing quite a bit. I still got a lot going on in my life with like work and other business things that I'm trying to do and just relationships, keeping personal relationships going and stuff. Yeah. I still have a lot to do, but I just don't feel as as stressed. Mm. I don't feel like I have to be perfect at these things. Right. Mm. So if something falls by the wayside, you know, where I'm maybe not doing the best at it. I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Because mm-hmm. right now I need to focus on this thing. This is the best priority. And then when I have time, I'll get around to that. I don't have to be good at all of these things right now. And so it, it doesn't feel the same. Because I know I've been busy in school and I'm like, oh, I got to get this done. I got so much going on. I got to do this assignment. But I don't. Mm. I don't hate myself when I'm busy I just feel like okay this needs to go first and then we'll get to that when we, when we have time so yeah mm. the feeling's completely different good I'm glad there's yeah. less stress on your shoulders now yeah yeah and I, and I think a lot of it came from working through therapy with the therapist the counselor mm-hmm. and just kind of unraveling that by talking and allowing the therapist to get to know me and being open and honest with with them. I think that helped me unravel a lot of these feelings. So it wasn't just me figuring that out myself. It was, I had a lot of help with therapy and then and the work that I put in to, to try and improve myself and understand where these feelings were coming from. Mm-hmm. So therapy is a good, a good thing. <laughs> yes, it is. I have another question. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So with religion being such an integral part of like your upbringing and even your early 20s, how has it been since moving away from it? Like so far as 
your personal identity and what gives your life meaning and purpose? Like, what was that like to depart from something that meant so much? And then what have you found currently in your life to give yourself that sense of purpose and meaning? Maybe mine is a little bit different than most because I kind of had a slow falling out from religion where I was questioning these things and then I didn't just like get rid of it all at once. I was just kind of like, oh, I'll just keep going and maybe we'll figure it out and then just kind of kept growing. So I had a slow falling out to where I was kind of learning things while I was still in religion so I didn't have a whole like gap where it was like, I believe this one thing and then now I don't believe that. Ah, uh, gotcha. Or I do, I kind of developed another belief system as I was working through this and then before I fell away from the church and so what I kind of found was what matters is, is what I do right here and now like and I kind of wondered in the question of in the perspective of religion you know it's like it doesn't matter if, if so and so isn't following the rules all that matters is, is what I'm doing hmm God's not going to judge me for that other person. Like, at the end, if God judges me, he'll judge me based on what I did, not because someone else did this and it affected me. It's like, it's how, what I choose. So that's kind of my, more of my beliefs is, hmm. is life is based on what I do and what I choose to do and how I react and, and treat other people. That's, that's my perspective. And I have a lot of, goals where I think you can have a pretty good life and you're living just fine if you go through life without actively trying to harm other people. Right. And I feel like that's a pretty good standard of living. Mm. You, know, you have everyone's got their different things, but if you're not actively trying to harm other people or make other people miserable, like I think you're living a pretty good life. Yeah. And then I really do want to help people, and I want to, want to serve other people, and make 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 life easier for people that are struggling and whatnot. So just kind of those are my beliefs. It's focusing on what I'm doing and what I want, and I want to help other people. Huh. It seems like you're coming at it from a different um, motivation. Before you were helping others out of like duty to some higher power. What I'm hearing you say is now you're you're doing it because that's what you want to do. Yeah, and that's definitely it is I'm doing this stuff now because I want to do it now because God says so or religion hmm. or it's not because what Ian wants, it's what it's what I want. Right. I respect that. Yeah. Fuck you, you do what I want. <laughs> What were you typing frantically? Oh, I had a I had a question, but I'm going to save it for towards the end. Okay, and I think I think it might be time to hear from from the descriptor, Austin. Are you nervous? I I am because I've not you really you jumped be. into this. Like, I've not revisited some of what I'm going to share in yeah. probably at least three or more years. Mm -hmm. So, I'm I'm definitely nervous to open this this door. I don't know what I'm going to find. Austin's been, I told him like two weeks ago, like, hey, by the way, I want to do a religion podcast. You, you want in? And he's like, yes. And then he's been like, oh, shit. Deer in the headlights ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All nervous. It's, 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 it
it's a it's a whole can of worms, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotion and and stuff tied into that, and I think one has a common is is our family is still religious. Yes. Right. Like oh. most of my family is still pretty religious, active in the in the LDS faith. Mm. Like, I believe Aaron or Ian, your parents are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are still yeah um there are a few in my family who would kind of be in the same vein as where i am now but for the most part yeah my family's pretty and in, pretty intense when it comes to religion so we're all that's a good point that you made though we we've stepped away from our family faiths that what we grew up in, you know. And this should be difficult to talk about. This was our lives. Yeah. This was our lives, you know. This is everything that we believed in wholeheartedly. And oh, fuck. Tears and, and heartache and, and sorrow and, and fear and all of these, you know. It wasn't yeah. an easy process. And the way we talk about it, sometimes we're lighthearted. But I guess what you guys don't see is the hours, months, and stuff we spent struggling with these thoughts and like and yeah. you know the tears because I'm sure all of us had these issues where like this is something I believed for so long how, yeah. do, I, how do I step away or you know some yeah. thoughts that went into to where we are now yeah I don't think any of us would say it was an easy transition it wasn't done no. lightly Dude, should we mention yeah. that we were in cults, by the way? Because I forgot to mention that fucking right. part. Is that what you were writing down? No, no, no. Um, I'm just going to say it quickly because there's a lot to say about my story. Right. But yes, my my parents, I think, I don't think my parents would label it a cult, but I think it kind of was because um, the Faith Assembly cult is what I'm calling it, uh, based in Indiana. That's where my family's from. Uh, moved to Me- New Mexico when I was one year old, and then I moved to Denver when I was 29. So that's my life journey in a nutshell. Um, it was a faith, like a faith cult, I would call it. Like it was you. You're not supposed to let your kids go to public school because they'll get influenced by the world. You don't go to doctors because Jesus is going to heal you. So you just pray about all your ailments. You don't, you know, you don't do mental anything, mental help, you know, because that's just probably a demon, or you just need to be happy and not be sad, you know. So you don't do doctors. You don't do public school. And so, uh, yeah, me and my seven siblings were all homeschooled. That was interesting. Um, yeah, so my fam- my parents grew up in that kind of culture that was like hyper focused on faith and if if you you know, if you go to the doctor that is proof that you don't really have faith in God, you know, it's it was nuts. Um well, they kind of left that, but there were still kind of remnants of it in my upbringing, so I guess I technically wasn't really raised in a cult, but I was raised by the grand i was the grandson of a cult if that makes sense uh, right i'm very similar to that too with my cult experience too it was it was indirect 
right indirect influence it was like there was still some residual stuff left over that i was raised in but mm -hmm. i wasn't directly raised in it right so yeah my whole family was super religious when i was growing up uh we were homeschooled lived out in the middle of nowhere in new mexico so my upbringing was very isolated i we didn't have outside friends like if we had any friends our age they came from church if they weren't from church you didn't have friends and we hardly even had friends over even the ones we did have so it was just me and my siblings that was my upbringing and i mean the we were all homeschooled too so i mean i don't know we'd probably leave the house once a week to you know go shopping that was basically my experience until my teenage years. I never, like, we didn't go on trips. We didn't see anything. Like, I didn't talk to anyone who wasn't a Christian. So I was so isolated as a child. Um, it wasn't until probably my late teens till I started to, like, interact with people who weren't Christians and see the outside world. Like, I, I think my first, like, trip outside of the, the state other than to like visit my grandparents in Indiana, like we'd do a road trip or whatever, but like a trip that I took myself that was outside of, you know, my little bubble would have been when I was 17. <laughs> yeah. So I did not have much exposure to the outside world. So the idea of believing, what was that? That's going to be pretty eye opening, like being in such a strict uh, religion and being isolated from everything else and then like getting a taste of the real world and like wow everyone else is not like this yeah well the thing is i it was more gradual for me because i was so socially awkward and shy i couldn't even look people in the eyes like i remember being 16 couldn't look anyone in the eyes being so shy and so embarrassed i mean i'm embarrassed telling this story right now what i'm about to say because <laughs> it's so extreme but that's the kind of social anxiety i had as a teenager that even when i go to like a store i didn't want to buy anything because i didn't want to have to interact with the cashier like i i had so much social anxiety i didn't even like interacting with strangers like it was that severe, which now I know where it comes from. Like I didn't interact with any humans other than my own family. Like for so long, right. I didn't know how to deal with the stranger. I didn't, I, I just would freak out. Right. So for me, it was a little more gradual for like the eye opening experience because it was just terrifying. I didn't want to see the outside world cause it was so scary. Um, yeah. so for me, like I'm going to back up and talk about my religious experience. Um, I always believed in God because, well, you didn't really have an option in, you know, growing up in the context I did, but I didn't really take it seriously for myself until about the age 16. I just, I forget exactly what prompted the decision, but I just decided at 16, I was going to figure out this God thing, I guess. And it was about that time that uh, my younger brother and sister were, I guess, feeling the same way because they kind of got on board with the Jesus thing at the same time I did. And then my best friend, Bex, um, she had just come back from a six-month-long internship at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Anyone who's, you know, part of the evangelical world will know exactly who that is, you know. They've been mm -hmm. praying 24-7 since 1999. Mm -hmm. So what is that? 22 23 years year now as, yeah 23 years as old as i am yeah non-stop prayer it's it's crazy wow. but that's where she went for six months and you know it was like a, a bible school she learned a bunch of stuff and yada 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 
Um, <laughs> why don't you just put those on the floor? I'm having a lot of fun with these batteries. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's been hearing these ear-splitting sounds of things being dropped, it's these batteries. These, these fucking batteries. Why don't you just put, throw them on the floor? Because like, it won't I make like sound. Feel. I like the feel of it. Unless it's bothering you, I'll put it down. <laughs> well, it is when you slam them on the table. Thank you, thank you. Where was I anyway? I hop. Oh, so I was just. Um, I, I need to make this a quicker story. Well, actually, this is important because this is how I actually had a relationship with mm. Jesus for myself. Mm -hmm. So she comes back from this uh, internship. And a few months later, like she's feeling like some withdrawals because she was in this like bubble of like, it's all about Jesus. And, you know, we worship and pray all the time, you know, mm -hmm. to just day to day life. It was kind of weird for her, like a fish out of water. Well, she's hoping to find friends who want to like go after Jesus together like mm -hmm. they did for six months, you know, back in Kansas City. Well, that's when enter me and my two younger siblings, we all are like, yeah, we're all on the board with this Jesus thing. We already know Jesus. And if you have a better, you know, how we can love Jesus better, let's we're in, you know, and we actually started to fall in love with Jesus. We started like studying the scriptures and finding out how he thinks and how he feels. Cause that's, that's how they do it at Kansas city at the international house of prayer. IHOP. Um, they focus, they hyper-focus on the spiritual relationship with God, that it's all about, you know, intimacy with Jesus, which sounds kind of icky, but it's about, you know, having a heart to heart relationship with Jesus about how he thinks and how he feels. That's all they would harp on. Mm -hmm. Well, I got so inspired by this as a 16 year old, like that, just being in love with Jesus. And that rocked my world. I mean, I remember having so many times where I'd read the Bible and just weep, or I'd be just alone listening to some, you know, song about Jesus and just crying my eyes out. Like, it was sincere and it was a life transforming experience for me. And that happened for years. I would say for like the next 10 years of my life, I chased that feeling because that was for me, finally the proof that this whole Christian thing was real was I experienced it. I wasn't just reading about Jesus in a book. I was experiencing him and I was learning how to hear his voice and like talk to the Holy spirit and stuff like this was all the stuff I was doing in my late teenage years and early twenties. Like I was feeling it. I was in a real relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And through all this, that's when I suddenly ended up in some form of leadership at the age of 17. Like, <laughs> mind you, I'm like one year into this right. experience and already the church is noticing that I like, I'm quote unquote on fire for God. Mm -hmm. And so I, me and my best friend Bex, we're put, in charge of the youth because you know th there was a whole kerfuffle with the earlier youth leader and so they needed someone you know asap they're like well you guys just you know step in until we find a replacement right. so we did it for about a year until we found a replacement <clears throat> and this mind you this is still when i have a hard time making eye contact with people i i i'm very self-conscious about my squeaky voice and everything else but it was through this fire of <laughs> testing that I learned public speaking. Yeah. I learned how to look people in the eyes without fear. I learned how to interact with other people who, you know, are strangers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it actually matured me real, real fast going through that. Um, 
Okay, I'm I'm trying to decide what I should skip and what I should say because there's a whole lot to it's, this story. This could be like a four-episode montage. Yeah, for real. Because there's so many stories, so many things. Let's just fast forward to eventually, like when you met me. Let's do that. Okay, 2015. Okay, so 2015, I would have been 25. So this is yep. this is all, this is the tail end of my relationship with Jesus because yes. I'm I'm gonna start doubting my faith in the next year or two. But so this is like the highest point is about the time you met me. So at the t- at, in 2015, I was one of the assistant leaders. We had a new youth leader. There, we went through a few over the years. And I was basically like a- assistant to the regional, as I said before. <laughs> yes, um, yes. And so I would preach at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. And every time I taught, almost, I mean, people, I, I could I could probably have asked everyone <laughs> uh, in the audience, like, what they thought I'd teach on. I mean, it was always the same thing. It was the, the beauty of God, how he mm. thinks and how he feels, which was inspired from Kansas City, um, the, stu- the teaching that Bex received. Um, I, I, I ate it up, and I would regurgitate it to the youth all the time, and... I would teach a lot from the Song of Solomon, a lot from the Psalms, Revelation, the Gospels. And my focus was always, how does Jesus think about you in this situation? How does he feel about you here? And I want to tell you, even to this day, it may still be the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life, which causes me a lot of conflict right now. (laughs) Spoiler, I don't believe any of this anymore. But I remember the faces. I remember when I would teach, and I just I remember so many times seeing people just openly weeping with the words I was saying. I remember seeing, I remember seeing it clear as day many a time where a youth, one of the youth would come in and they're just having a really bad day. They're just feel, beating themselves up, like for whatever reason they're just down that day. And by the end of the service. It's like they have a new lease on life. I saw that so many times. I was one of those youth. And so many times it was with the words that were coming out of my mouth. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. that is so fulfilling to know that you can actually help someone and even be an instrument of God. Like, that's just such a beautiful feeling, right? Mm -hmm. The issue was, is I took it, I don't know if it was, it sounds really prideful to say, but it's true. I took it maybe too seriously. Like, I took it too serious. It was... I tried to live the 100% obedience. And if I messed up, I also understood God's grace. I also understood his love and mercy. And so I would openly and jealously seek after that as well. So I was doing the the Christian life as best I could. I was trying to live like David from Mm -hmm. the Bible as best I could because David was called a man after God's own heart, and that's who I wanted to be. He screwed up all the time, but he was quick to repent, and he was quick to get right back into God's face and gazing at his beauty. That was David, and that's who I wanted to be. And I lived it. I lived it for a good decade. The problem was after a decade of it, I was unhappy. It was like I I spent this whole there was this there's this Bible verse that Jesus says, "Seek first ye the kingdom of God, and all these other things, you know, material mm-hmm. things will be added to you." He was just finishing the scripture. Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And and I took that verse to heart, and I did it. When I turned nineteen, that was the part. That was the time in my life where I was getting really anxious about what I should do with my life, because I was 
already involved in church. And the question I was having was, okay, do I just keep doing what I'm doing now? Mm-hmm. Should I try to get some kind of formal education? So should I get an outside job? Cause I was working for my parents at the time. Like I had all these questions and I, and mind you, our church believed in prophecy and all these prophecies I get. And mind you, I wasn't telling anyone what was going on, the secrecy of my own mind. Because right. I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know what I wanted to do at 19. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anybody. But all these prophetic people would come up to me and just tell me, you're exactly where God wants you to be. Just stay where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I took that to heart since I didn't know any better. And I stayed with it for the next 10 years. Right. And... And that was rough. I was living with my parents until I was 27. I was in a dead-end job for six years. Mm-hmm. I, I did all that because I, I, I knew what my purpose was, was to you know take care of the little responsibilities that Jesus gave me and to do it well and do it with excellence. But after the 10 years, I was miserable. I was stuck in this dead-end job. And what I was supposed to do is I was supposed to marry this girl that, you know, we're on and off again for so long. Mm -hmm. But the problem is I don't have any feelings for, Oh, I haven't even talked about my sexuality either. That definitely comes into play. Well, uh, we've talked about it in In a separate episode, in the other episode. Right. But But that definitely needs to be mentioned in in the middle of this, but um, I will come back to that. So, uh, well, actually this is a good point is I'm supposed to marry this, you know, there's this outside pressure it's just expected that I marry her since, you know, we kind of been together for like 10 years, but I have no interest in her whatsoever because I'm gay. And I, and no one knows this by the way, because I am in a culture that it's a pretty progressive church in some ways. Like Mm -hmm. you can speak in tongues. My parents are actually the ones who introduced flag waving in church. Like they literally just have flags. They were the ones that they're the ones who brought it to the church. Yes. I hated that. I, I am the it. I am the spawn of the crazy people. Yes, I hated that shit. Or people would just yell, just yeah, and have the fucking flag waving yeah. it in front of everybody. It's like oh yeah, like Brittany, go sit down. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that shit. And every time they had the rainbow flag out, yes. not the gay rainbow <laughs> flag, but it was a like shimmery mm-hmm. rainbowy looking flag. They'd mm-hmm. always have to preface that it wasn't gay pride, like. <laughs> <laughs> They'd always like dance around it anytime they'd bring the flag out that, yeah. oh, by the way, that's not what we're saying. Right. Yeah, anyway. Oh my God. Oh my God. Anyway, where were we? Oh, the point being a progressive church in that regard, like right. freedom of worship is what uh, they would say, things like that. Right. Because if you compared it to like a Catholic church, it's that, that church, that non denominational church was way different than a Catholic yeah. church. We were much more loose on how we worshiped and, and right. how we prayed. Oh, yeah, and you didn't have to wear fancy clothes. You, right. Sometimes I'd take my shoes off and just dance, you know, dance in the front with mm-hmm. bare feet. Like, that was how open it was. Mm-hmm. But so far, but when it came to issues like LGBTQIA+, right. no. Right. No acceptance whatsoever, no tolerance. Right. They preached occasionally that everyone was welcome, but what was said and what was actually practiced was not exactly the same. So I knew as an insider that there was zero tolerance for anyone who was queer. So Mm -hmm. I had to keep that under wraps and it was just as hostile in my home life with my family. So Mm -hmm. no one knew I came out to a very few at age 16 and it kind of stayed that way for most of my life. But you know, now I'm 27 
I'm in this dead end job. I've been doing this for 10 years, just waiting for, you know, Jesus to take care of me because I put my life on hold. That's what I thought that verse meant. Put, you know, put your life on hold. Don't worry about, you know, taking care of yourself, take care of Jesus's kingdom and he'll take care of you. And I actually believed it. I truly did. I mean, my th- those 10 years are proof that I actually believed it. And you didn't believe it like it was a bargain system, too. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a bargaining with Jesus. It was, I follow you because I love you. Right. And because you love me, you'll take care of me. I just I just want to make sure that the picture isn't painted of you trying to bargain right. with Jesus. I mean, I'm sure there was some of that because mm-hmm. security has to do with fear. Like, right. we all have that innate fear of like, will I be taken care of? Will I have enough? You know, mm-hmm. I need to make more. I mm-hmm. need to have more so that I'm, you know, safe and taken care of. Right. So yeah, there could be some of that in the subconscious, but so far as what was on the forefront, yeah, it was mostly, I was just in love with Jesus. And so the idea of sacrificing my whole life for anything he asked me to, right. there was no cost. Right. There was no price too high. I was sold out mm-hmm. and, and it showed. And I had, I mean, I had a lot of people's attention in the church mm-hmm. and even the senior leaders, I was given permission to do the Sunday morning service from time to time. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge honor, especially for someone in their mid twenties. Like you don't <laughs> trust just anybody with the Sunday morning service. So I knew that was like, I felt like that was God's validation of my choices, you know, to sacrifice what I might've wanted to do outside of the church and just follow him. And he would take care of it. The problem was I didn't really want to be a pastor. <laughs> I loved teaching, but if I was a pastor, I'm, I'm out. Right. My dad was a pastor, and I saw what it did to him. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 not going to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to teach. I just wanted to teach about the beauty of God for the rest of my life. That's what I wanted to do. Right. But after a decade of it, this whole time while I'm like pursuing Jesus, I know I have this internal struggle because I know I'm gay and I, there's nothing I can do about it. And then, so I did everything I could, you know, confess to certain people about it. And that, of course, didn't go over well, by the way. And that even made it worse. Like, okay, I'm trying to follow the scriptures here and it's just like one punch after another. Like, why isn't this working? I mean, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights, how many tears were shed trying to, you know, pray to God to make me straight. Never happened. Never wow. happened after 10 years of just pursuing him and trying to do right. And that bothered me. And then I'm stuck in this dead end job. And then I'm supposed to marry someone who I have no feelings for whatsoever. My, and I'm still living with my parents. Like my world is falling apart. I am crumbling. I think that was the same year I lost my hair because mm. now I'm bald. And I think it was the following year I found out I was allergic to gluten. So like there was just like everything in my life was just crumbling while I'm giving a hundred percent to Jesus. You know, that's when that verse came screaming back to me. I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. I literally gave everything. There was no stone unturned in my pursuit of wholehearted dedication to Jesus. And here I am, like with empty pockets, like what is going on? That is not what Jesus promised me. And then when I started to be more vulnerable and open about my doubts about, you know, God's faithfulness because I wasn't seeing it and also trying to see if I can be open about my struggle, you know, cause at the time I thought of my sexuality as a sin. When I started to open up to people in the church, I was met with hostility and that came as a shock. And the leadership, you're still met with hostility. What was that? Say that again. 
Oh, I was saying even after like everything that that Austin had done with the church, the leadership roles, and how much like everyone trusted him, he's and he started to like express himself and and talk to leaders about his sexuality, and he was still met with hostility. Mm. That's just yeah. kind of rough because it, it's not like you changed overnight. It's not like you're a completely different person. Right. They just treated you like you were completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, most, for the most part, I didn't even open up about much of it because what I started to open up about was my depression because I was starting to get oh, suicidal. Right. And I tried to open up just, first of all, that I was depressed, and that was not met with right. <laughs> sympathy whatsoever. And right. that's why I didn't share much more than that to most people because I'm like, if you can't handle me, being depressed oh there's a whole lot more going on underneath so we're not even going to go there and that's when it became unbearable was there was so much going on even some things that i'm not going to name here that and i couldn't tell a single person about it not one single person. I tried to open up to my dad because we our relationship had never been better because, you know, I was on fire for Jesus. I mean, what I mean, he used to be a pastor. What more does a pastor dad want for his son, you know, to be another pastor, you know? And even I couldn't talk to him. He was just as hostile as everyone else. And it was I had no one. I literally had no one. I tried, you know, certain people in my family I felt like I was close to. Nothing. I'm I tried so many people to try to like, hey, this is what's going on. And I don't know what to do. I there was literally no one because my best friend Bex at the time we had a falling out. Jesus so Christ! I couldn't even yes. talk to my best friend, which yes. she was one of them that I came out to when I was sixteen. Right. But I couldn't talk to her anymore because we had a falling mm. out. So I was completely alone. Jesus. And that's when I said I have to get out of here mm. for because I was becoming incredibly suicidal and that's why I moved to Denver was I had to get out of that culture where mm-hmm. I couldn't, I wasn't even allowed to say I was weak. Right. Like that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I was put on such a pedestal that any, anything that was contrary to other people's opinions of how I should be, it was devastating mm-hmm. because I was, I was a poster child of like who a young person on fire for Jesus should be. And it was sincere. Like as someone who's already left the faith, I can, t- I don't need to sugarcoat anything. I don't need to lie about anything, but it was real. Right. It was a hundred percent sincere. I really was on fire for Jesus. I really cared about, I really believed everything I taught. It just didn't work in the end. And I was less disappointed and angry at God because I felt like I had served him so faithfully, yet he, he was silent and distant after all that. Right. And I feel like we should also give that space to the, the authenticity that I feel we all had willing to put everything, put our lives on the line for God and, and, and nothing came out of it. And we weren't expecting that. I mean, we weren't saying, God, if you give me riches and all this other shit, then I'll serve you. No, but it's the silence, Mm -hmm. the silence that I still feel. The, the lost sheep 
the lost lamb, the prodigal son, you know, just, uh, I don't feel that now. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's so emotional. And so you mentioned earlier too, that you're, you felt like you were too serious, but I feel like we should give that space that that's how it was. That's who we were. Damn. I have I wrote down as we were talking um, three questions I wanted to ask y'all and get your opinions on. We're about an hour and twenty minute hour and twenty one minutes <laughs> in, so damn. Uh, typically with guests, you know, we try to make this an hour and a half podcast. It can oh, go okay. it can go longer. It's up to you guys if you guys are tired or not. I I will speak as fast as I can <laughs> <laughs> because I know you guys have to work and and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to be respectful of y'all's time. That's all. So. Um, well, with all this said, now that we all shared our, our backgrounds and kind of where we're at now, um, I have three questions. The first one is, what was the most challenging part from your falling out of faith? Who's first? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, you said the most painful part of your falling out, most challenging, part. challenging, could be painful too. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm thinking about what was painful. Cause that's why I said the question that way. Um, right. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I feel like my, it's, it's, it's kind of a dichotomy for me. It's the painful part was how easy it was to leave. Jesus Christ. Yeah. On one side, it was incredibly easy because I thought as someone, you know, who knew the Bible inside and out, like that you can't, you know, forsake Jesus or, you know, that's going to, that condemns you to hell, you know, don't quench the spirit, all these, you know, phrases you hear. So that's what I was doing, you know, by those biblical definitions, I was walking away from Jesus Mm -hmm. and I never felt anything for someone who used to prophesy to people you know, who claimed to hear the voice of God and all this stuff, mm-hmm. walking away was just silence. Right. It was radio silence when I walked away. Right. There was no, like, I didn't feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. I didn't feel like I was resisting God or anything like that. It was literally just, I decided I can't, like, I need to get away from this, you know, toxic culture. And when I left, it was re- it was only relief. There was no nothing negative that was shocking for me 
so that right there was just like, what, what is this? Was this all bullshit? Um, but the other side of it is there was genuine pain. That was more confusion. Like, why was this so easy? But the other side was pain because Jesus was more than just some invisible person in the sky that I'll meet one day after I die. Jesus was everything. He was the one I spoke to first thing in the morning and last thing at night. He was the one who was there for me when I was in when I was my happiest. He was there for me when I was at my worst despair. I leaned on Jesus for everything, for almost every choice I ever made, if you know, in that span of ten years. It was always Jesus, and I was in love with Jesus. I just couldn't get enough of Jesus. And to lose that seemingly overnight. I mean, it was a year or two process, but compared to, you know, knowing about God since, you know, I was in the womb, like I was losing a friend. I was losing a lifelong friend. Like, so I'm just confused about it. I don't, (laughs) I don't know how it was so easy to leave someone like that. That's what confuses me. I feel you there too. Cause we've talked about this like probably three other times. It's mind boggling that this person that this, this God that you were heartbroken for just means nothing now. Like, and I feel like that's what I'm kind of touching into nowadays is maybe I'm possibly grieving over Jesus. Now I'm, I'm having grief because now I'm getting more emotional about it. Hmm. When I think about Jesus and my life and what I, what I used to be. Hmm. And it's confusing. Like you said, it's confusing. It's it, it's really weird how I feel yeah. about it. Because if I lost a friend, I'd probably be grieved over it. But right. And God, Jesus was everything to me. And, <laughs> and I'm not grieving. Yeah. Until maybe now. That's a mystery. How about the mountain Jew? not getting any answers because hmm. um, I, I really did have questions about, about faith because I, I was very sincere and then I had this, this experience that made me doubt how I received revelation or inspiration from God and then I was like I was really looking for answers and I was doing what I was told to do you know go to your scriptures praying about it and then talking to religious leaders and all this and I got nothing. I think that was the hardest part was realizing, like, as I was growing up in religion and taught that these people can can receive revelation from God and they got answers. It was like no one knew. No mm. one could give an explanation that satisfied. And it was just always like, oh, we don't always understand God, God's will. His ways are higher than our ways. And I'm like, that doesn't explain anything. Mm. So that was kind of the hardest part where realizing, like, these people don't know everything. And it's like, hmm. well, and who does? Like, there's so many unanswered things out there. And I think that was the hardest part is realizing like, no one has the answers. Hmm. That, that was pretty hard because hmm. I like to understand things. I like to know things. And it was like, man, I just want to know why. And, and no one could explain it. And, 
and it will never be explained, you know? There will never be an answer for that. Right. Again, almost like radio silence again. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I still have unanswered questions, and that mm-hmm. still bothers me. Yeah. And it's hard because, I mean, you know, in my religion, it was like God is our loving heavenly father. And so there's supposed to be like a tender, like, parent type relationship. That's how we viewed it. And then it hurt because it was like, we were supposed to pray to God and then we could receive revelation and I was struggling with that mm. like receiving revelation how I know it's true mm. and I and I, there was a lot of pain there and I remember talking to my parents one time if he's supposed to be a loving heavenly father then like why can't I just talk to him like I talked to my dad he knows what I need mm. why can't he just do that for me because that's what I need right now and I got nothing and it was like man like hmm. I thought this was supposed to be a, a two-sided relationship but I can pray to you all day and now I don't feel like I, I get anything yeah mm-hmm. I hear that Damn. for me it was the last semester at San Juan College um I was going through a fallout with all of my friends. Um, Austin had moved away at the time. Right. <laughs> um, I, I remember feeling so <laughs> bad about it, but like, you have no idea. <laughs> I have to leave. Right. And I always supported that. I told him like, get the fuck out of here. Like, if you come back, I'm going to kill you. Like I told him and Becca that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Even, even to his own detriment. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What like, a guy. This, this hurts. What a guy. I'm a savage, I know. I'm a wonderful person. Anyway, (laughs) but I had a fallout with friends. I was about to graduate, and I was trying to keep my grades up. Um, um, I was just deeply depressed. And then, on top of that, I lose Jesus, my only support system. Mm. And that was the hardest part, was I'm not going to rely on this God just because I need him now. Just because I'm feeling afraid and alone. I'm not going to rely on this God because what if he's not real? I wanted to be authentic to that. And that was the hardest part. The falling out of the faith was there goes my support system. There goes my security. Cause yeah. that's something I relied on for se- 10 years, seven, 17. Yeah. Like 12 years was, was that Jesus is my support, my strength, my protector. And that's gone. So, Um, to move on yeah Uh, to move on to the next question (laughs) this one's a little bit more I I wanted to touch in I was just curious really about myself in this sense that grief that I mentioned that that I'm kind of messing or playing around with how do you feel about God now do you miss the good things about your old religion (laughs) am I going first again you can if you want so my feelings toward Christianity are complex because Jesus, studying the life of Jesus, that's what I did for 10 years, I discovered the kind of man I want to be. Jesus was so kind, so generous, so patient. He was good. 
to everyone. He treated everyone equal. It didn't matter who you were. Jesus's eyes of love were always there for you. And I never knew anyone like that. I know that's an indictment on the church, but it's true. I never met anyone like that. He only existed in that book. And that book is, I credit with, I'm, again, I'm not claiming to be a representation of Jesus, but any quality I do that, pos- that I do possess that are Jesus-like, it came from that. It came from that pursuit of, I want to be the kind of man that Jesus is because he is unlike anyone else. Like, I just, I fell in love with the type of person he was. But at the same time, that's why my feelings are complex. There's a big but here. But this same Bible, this same church where I learned about how wonderful Jesus is and he was life-changing, like Jesus saved my life. Like there were some times earlier where I probably would have ended it if not for the goodness of Jesus, you know. But this same place became my prison. The same place where I learned how wonderful and awesome Jesus was is the same place that taught me that my being gay disqualifies me from the kingdom. My being gay makes me unworthy of love. That's where I felt so unsafe and so it felt so hostile so Christianity is where I fell in love probably for the first time because Jesus is just unlike any any other person out there but also felt so dirty and unworthy of love at the same time so don't know if there's a simple way to answer the question other than what I just said. (laughs) I think for me, with the whole, do I miss the good parts of of the religion? I don't, I, I don't think I do. I think I took most of the good and implemented that and what I wanted into my life. And then just kind of left the rest because I mean it did help religion parents all the influences I had in the religious community growing up it was like that helped me to sh- to shape me to be who I am today mm. and I I like who I am I like yeah. where I'm at I, I still want to grow and so I'm pretty happy with how how things are because I think I took best from religion and took and took a lot away from it and I just I just feel better now on this end Hmm. I still believe there is a God um, but I just I just don't get everything I mean every now and then I'll I'll still pray and thank God for everything but it's not as as devout as I was now I'm more focused on me I'm, I'm the main character now hmm. in my own life. Not, not God. Hmm. Wow. I like wow. that. That's, wow. The, the old me would be, would cringe at that. And the new me is like, awesome. That's amazing. What about you? 
What about you, Ian? What do you think? Mm. What was the question again? How do you feel about God now? Okay. Do you miss the good things about your old religion? Ah, okay. God to me now is just a deity that people worship like any other deity. Um, I really don't have any connections anymore. But something new is kind of bubbling up from my past. I had a dream two months ago that I was sitting in the church that I used to attend. Or excuse me, I was standing and had my arms up and I was worshiping. Just listening to the worship music that they would play every Sunday and I was worshiping. and It was real, it was authentic, and just how I used to be. Mm. And I feel like I've had also... Uh, a handful of dreams similar to that, just me worshiping God, worshiping Jesus. And there's something that kind of irks me now. And I don't know, I mean, I've been going through a very emotional time in my life, and maybe that's just causing this desire for connection, because th th that was my coping mechanism in the past, was Jesus and, mm. and that love relationship. That was my sense of connection. And perhaps I miss that. Or maybe there's something more profound. Could this be the, the lost sheep, mm. the shepherd looking for the lost sheep? Could this be that? You know, I'm not so keen on the idea. <laughs> or I don't want to jump on that at all. You don't all. want to be found. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, it's still one-sided. Right. It's my memories. Mm. It's my dreams. So... Regarding, do I miss the good things about my old religion? Sure. You know, yeah. it was authentic. It was real. It was security and, and love and yeah. connection. But it may not be real. And so I have to let that go. So. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, this... The other half of the, your question I didn't answer, uh, who is God now? How do you feel about God? How do you God feel now? about God? <laughs> I always just reinterpret it <laughs> how I want to hear it, apparently. I should get into politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a difficult question. I'm glad I didn't answer it because mm -hmm. I don't know how to answer that question. When you read the question, I'm like, oh, shit, there's a whole other part to this question. Yeah. That's the struggle with where I am now is... I don't know who God is because again, I used to teach apologetics, which is the reason you believe what you believe, right. like the facts and the data that back up the faith. Right? right. That was, that's what I did in my free time was study apologetics. So like, I know all the reasons for believing in Jesus, but I don't think they're convincing anymore, apparently. But at the same time, I miss that relationship with Jesus, but I don't think I don't think religion is consequential. That's where I left it. Mm -hmm. Like I've not revisited this in three years. Right. When I moved here, I was done. Like I, I out of survival, I had to just like shut the, the door on religion and just like forget about it for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been dealing with. Kind of similar to you lately is I'm realizing, Oh, I need some closure on this closure, because yes, I haven't really revisited. Like, what do I think about Jesus now? What do I think about God? Because right now, like, I just don't even think about it. It's inconsequential to me. Right. Like, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I don't go to church. 
However, I have gone recently. It was like six months ago by recent, but mm-hmm. that was like the first time in a long time in years. And going to church. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to figure it out slowly, but surely, but I'm, I don't know. I really have no idea what I think about God or what I think about Jesus. Cause I'm just now revisiting it after all these years. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't think there's anything wrong with not knowing. That's okay. Hmm. You don't have to have it all figured out. Hmm. Thank you for that. Because you know, and whenever you're comfortable, like I said, try and revisit it if you want. If not, then I don't think you have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is just something my emotions are just kind of bringing up now. It's like, oh, remember Jesus, that guy from your past? (laughs) And Austin mentioned closure. Maybe that's what I'm maybe looking for. Because just hearing our stories now, we were very serious and treated it very seriously. And, And for that to just end, no wonder my brain would start dreaming about my past. Because there wasn't closure. Right. Like what happened? What happened? You didn't you like this person a lot right. for ten years? <laughs> what? And then just you know, uh, over a one year process, you kind of just drifted away. It wasn't an overnight thing, you know. It wasn't an abrupt. I'm done with you, God. Bye. It was right. a one year of less prayer, less Bible reading, less prayer, less, less, less. Man. Okay. Final question. Um, I'll make it quick too, because yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you cope now, given you don't have a God or deity? And I I can answer quickly. When I was in counseling the first time, uh, my last semester at San Juan College, my therapist is like, well, since you don't have God in your life anymore, you need something else. So I've mentioned these tools in the past, and that's journaling, journaling about your day, uh, emotional freedom tapping, it's also... EFT tapping, um, tapping on different points in your body mm-hmm. and it's belief there's different energy points and stimulating these energy points and focusing on one thought, like your problem, like I'm feeling anxious, but I deeply and completely accept myself. And then you go to the next pressure point, it could be on your neck and you say, I'm feeling anxious, but I deeply and completely accept myself. Apparently that's supposed to help you. And it has helped me to reduce mm-hmm. whatever problem you're stewing on. It could be a placebo, who knows, but, you know, if it works, it works, right? Who gives a fuck? Um, And then I'd say the more profound thing is people. No longer Jesus, no longer God, but people for my friends. Tangible people. Tangible people. My parents, my family. That's who I live for. Hmm. And... That's my career, helping other people. So that's how I cope. I think I cope now with um, difficulties in my life that normally would have been solved by like praying to God, by like looking to solve the answer, solve the problem on my own, or seeking help. You know, so like you got friends, so seeking help from friends or mm-hmm. or therapy. 
and trying to figure things out for myself. Because before, when there was problems, I was like, okay, God, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? How do I overcome this? Just help me figure this out. And now I'm just like, what do I have to do? I just try and solve it myself. I don't need to go to a third party before I start trying to solve my problems, you know? Hmm. I'm looking for guidance from something. I just, just like, well, what do I need to do? And so I rely more on myself. And if I can't figure it out, you know, then I go to others and, and therapy and counseling friends and family so again just more just tangible people things that are here and now that's what I do hmm. well for me I guess this kind of goes back to the previous question the reason I haven't really revisited religion is because to me it feels irrelevant now mm-hmm. because I realize part of my pursuit of God and getting lost in, you know, the church and the gospel was I didn't really care much for myself. Like it was so easy for me to get lost in that story because I'd rather get lost in something external than what was going on internally with me. Um, Cause that's what I first discovered when I moved here was how much I didn't respect myself, mm-hmm. how much I didn't love myself. That's what was shocking when I had left the faith. So for me, it's learning to love who I am exactly as I am, accept myself for how I am. That's been such a wonderful substitute for religion that I I find it irrelevant now because yeah. religion gave me an excuse to beat myself up. Now without it, I don't have this club that's constantly beating me for everything I'm doing. I can just look at the situation as it is without some external information, you know, some God in the sky telling me what, what's right and wrong. Yeah, telling you how you should feel about yourself. Mm, there it is. Now I have permission to love the things about me that I should. Mm-hmm. And that's been that's been the best therapy. Like my self-talk has changed so much in the last three years. It used to be constantly beating myself up for not measuring up. And now when I do feel bad, I, I stop myself and I, 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 I do a lot of self-talk now. Right. And I say, no, no, no. Let's look at the evidence. Who are you? What, what do you do? Like, what are your actions saying about the character you are? And I always come back to that. It's like, no, 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 you you got a good head on your shoulders. No, you did do the right thing. It's okay. Like, you can let this go. Or if I do find that I messed up, I apologize. I make restitution. Like, I have big boy pants on now. Like, I don't need someone else to take care of issues for me, like Hiram was saying. Like, I can do this. Like, I got this. Right. I don't need to check out of my own life for the sake of someone else. Like I can, I can stay present and live my life and be happy with who I am. Does that answer the question? It does. Oh, good. <laughs> Standing on your own two feet. Mm. Yeah. Man. I like, I like that. <laughs> Cause that, that, what you said hit home with me too, the, the self-talk and mm. treating yourself better. That's, that's something I've, 
learned as I've stepped away from religion. Mm. More self-love, more self-care. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Wow. Good, good time. It was. It was. We we made up for some lost time. There it is. <laughs> Sick. And it feels good. It feels good to be back in the podcast. Yeah, it does. It's it's nice to get this going again. I actually had two research articles I was going to mention because you know, this is podcast is about psychology and we need some research articles. But I'll just throw it in the description <laughs> because it's. It was hard to just apply it to what we were talking about, so it's cool. Yeah, so. and no one needs to fact check anything I said. Just take my word for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Austin was a Christian and a pastor, so you can uh, believe his word. That's yes, that's <laughs> absolutely true. He's a very credible source. <laughs> well, any last words? Any final comments? I am a credible source. <laughs> all you take from this podcast i think that's enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Just, just like Austin. that guy's a credible source there you go. i'll take it <laughs> well, well cool thank you guys for listening yeah and we'll see you next time adios adios y'all